And we're live. This is the Coffee Codecast, episode number 23, live from Seattle. Welcome to the Coffee Codecast, a weekly live stream tech podcast where we talk about neither code or coffee. I'm Mike Sheehan. I'm with my co-host here. And I'm Kyle Johnson. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad for a Wednesday night hump day, man. Heck yeah. After all the snow here in Seattle, it's good to be, it's good to be in the office, which sounds weird. Well, yeah, it's kind of nice to get out of the house a little bit. We survived Snowmageddon. That was uh, quite an interesting week and a half we've had there. And we just want to welcome everybody tonight. Uh, we are live casting our first episode. Episode 23 is a special one for us because we've got a new show format uh, streaming on the YouTube. Yeah, we're streaming streaming live. We're also going to do the regular podcast that we've always done, so it'll appear in the feed just as always. But if you want to listen to the show live unedited and uh, interact with us, this is a different way to consume the show, and we're kind of excited to put it out there. And you said, where do they go? They go to coffeecodecast.com slash live. That's right, www.coffeecodecast.com slash live, and that'll have the YouTube video stream as well as a link to the slack channel if you want to join the slack channel and you can also hit us up there's a link on there to message us via twitter as well so we're looking for anybody who has a commentary during the show or anything like that we're here to take your questions and uh, if not then it's just normal cast i think this is gonna be good for us though because you know i've said this for a while i think that as fun as it's been for me and, and for us it's taken a lot of work for you to kind of do the post-production and put everything together and get it out there. And I think this is a way that we can be more consistent with our uh, episodes and not have to worry about all the crap afterwards. Yeah, that's right. I think originally we had to do quite a bit of editing work, or I did rather. You did. I didn't do any editing work. Post-production. Clear about that, man. <laughs> I just come in here. I'm, you know, I have a few beers. I have a few things to say and Go about my way, man. Yeah, there was a fair amount of post-production work, which the hope here is that with this new piece of equipment that we'll talk about here in a minute, that we can take this recording that we're doing live currently and pretty much just package that up and put it up in the, the podcast feed and make it available pretty quickly after the show. So that's really exciting as well. Yeah, I think that sounds good, man. It's episode 23, and it's been probably about six weeks since the last time we got on the air. It's been a while. There's been some travel involved here. There's been some weather problems. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, let's talk about that. What were, what were you doing? What have you been up to, man? Now, six weeks ago would have been like we recorded one right before the new year, right? Like, did we do one in January? It, it was just after the new year because we talked about New Year's resolutions. Oh, that's right. We had Bully on the show. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had done one early Jan with Bully over here, and it's it's been a little while. That's right. And then I had to do a little bit of traveling uh, back to the Midwest recently, kind of during the peak of the snow and the storms. Uh, I'm getting kind of an interesting echo. Really? Like in my headphones, but it's not that big of a deal. But anyway, I had to travel back to Iowa um, due to a death in the family. So I was there. It was a pretty quick in and out trip. Um, Flew in, had to drive two and a half hours to my hometown, stayed there for maybe 12 hours, and then it was the return trip. So three days in total, it was a pretty whirlwind trip, and that's kind of what, what that was. Um, How was you? it back there? Did you ever make it to Alvarado's, man? <laughs> it's not Alvarado's anymore, though. It's Abelardo's, but for all the longtime Midwestern folks there that uh, love that Mexican food as much as I do, it was Al- Alvarado's. That's right. It's delicious. 
It was good we, drunk food. So I have to tell you this. This is funny. We were talking about this recently. Something came up. Um, oh, I don't remember the context now, but somebody, I was having a conversation and they're like, oh man, I used to love going to this place because they had erotic photo hunt. <laughs> Expand on that. I'm not familiar. No, no. You don't remember this about Alvarado's? No. <laughs> oh shit, dude. Oh, that was like the best part about Alvarado's is like, we would go there at 2 a.m. because we're all, you know, been out all night and we're ready for some good Mexican food. And like the whole entertainment draw was that like for a quarter you could play like they had this little tabletop kind of TV thing. And it was um, erotic photo hunt. And so it was like on a CRT TV and like you'd put a quarter in and there'd be like 10 rounds or whatever it was. And it was like the screen was split in half, dude. So you, like the left half would be like, you know, a woman in some lingerie and like whatever she was like, in, you know, some busty thing. And then the right half of the screen would be like a very similar photo, but there'd be differences and you'd have to like touch the differences. So like maybe, <laughs> maybe like her nipple was bigger on the one screen than the other. So you'd like tap the nipple because like it was the, a different size. I, I was unaware of this. Oh, I, That's really how we got introduced <laughs> to Alvarado's. They happen to have Mexican food there and we're like, well, we don't mind the Mexican food. But the erotic photo hunt is a lot of fun. I wish I did know about that. Now I really need to go. <laughs> but I thought it was funny because I was talking to somebody here in the office in Seattle and they were mentioning like, oh yeah, I went to this place and they had this fun game, erotic photo hunt. And I go, oh my God, I got to tell you a story about Alvarado's in Nebraska <laughs> in, in Council Bluffs. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So you survived that. You made the trek uh, back to the Midwest and you got back here okay. And then you got snowed in here for a while yeah we got a lot of snow here in seattle for it was even then major national news so we had i don't know what three or four days worth of pretty heavy snows for seattle we got maybe what a foot of snow probably in total maybe a little more depending upon where you were but that pretty much shut the city down and so i want to talk about that for a minute because like coming from midwest i'm born in chicago born in you know was really young when i left but i've been in the midwest most of my life and i always had a hard time understanding like when you, you've been in Seattle longer than I have. And the thing that I couldn't figure out is like, why the fuck does this place shut down in the snow? But the truth is, is that I get it now. Like we don't have the infrastructure for it. We don't have plows. We don't have people. don't sh- Like people were out there with like their garden shovels, like trying to like clear snow off the driveway. Like we just don't have, I don't have snow boots. And so it makes sense to me now. I didn't understand it at the time. Like, how the hell do you guys, like, you know, three to six inches of snow was just like another everyday occurrence to us back home. But it's a very different thing here. I, well, to, to expand on that, I don't even own a, sh- well, I don't own a, own a snow shovel. And I own my own, my own home and we have, you know, sidewalks and driveways and the whole nine yards to shovel. So <laughs> I spent a good portion of the, the three days that we stayed home scooping my rather lengthy driveway and, and walkways and so forth with basically what is a garden shovel, like a, like one that you would dig a hole with, not, not scoop, scoop off. It, you know, it's not a wide blade. I'll put a, I'll yeah. put a photo of it in the, in the show notes so that, you, so that people can see this it. This is yeah. like some kind of like backyard, like grabbing some dirt kind of shovel, yep. not a. Yeah. That you'd like kick your foot down on and get a good, yeah. good, you know, piece of dirt and throw it out of the hole type That's of right. shovel. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it took a long time, a lot of uh, backbreaking work that I didn't enjoy. And you know what the good news is today, now that we're, uh, Kind of out of the woods, I guess, so to speak. The shovel that I ordered from Amazon, guess what? It showed up today, so that's nice. Of course, now that it's uh, bone dry outside and uh, back <laughs> to rain again. Yeah. 
Uh, go figure. Well, you'll hang that in your garage. And I mean, this was the largest snowstorm that we've experienced in what, 50 or 60 years. I think it was 69 or something like that. I think they did say something like that. Yeah. I, I'm not totally certain how, what the length of time is, but I, I still would advocate that, that the one in, what was it, 2013? Yeah. That one was maybe worse in terms of ice, right? This might've been the most snowfall, but I feel like that was brutal compared to this one in terms of ice. That was the one that everybody goes on YouTube, like Seattle winter or whatever, and you see the buses like going down the hill, hitting cars left That's and right. right. Like, or the one hanging over uh, I-5 on the freeway there, kind of half on, oh, half over. yes. Yeah, that's right. Was that, that was like a Greyhound bus or something? Or Yeah, I can't remember if it's a city bus or a Greyhound bus. Yeah. Well, Sarah was talking, one of our coworkers was talking about that, and she lived in Capitol Hill at the time, and she's like, oh my God, like that thing happened right in front of my house. Like... I heard a big bang. I look outside and like there's a bus hanging halfway over the interstate here. It's crazy. Yeah, that was that was uh, I think I had moved here just maybe that month or something like that. It was one of my first first introductions to uh, Seattle snow. So I'll, I'll see if I can find a picture of that, too, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, it's very real. I mean, I, I thought it was funny and laughable. But the thing is, there's a story I heard recently, too, about this. This kind of sums it up. But like there was a um, a school superintendent that moved out here um from Indiana and this this might have been 2013 it might have been around that time but anyway like you know the night before snow is coming down everybody's very excited and uh very anticipate much anticipating like a day off like a snow day the next day and so they wake up in the morning and every district <laughs> anywhere in the vicinity is closed except for Seattle Public Schools and the, st- the way the story goes basically is that the uh this guy's from Indiana he's new on the job he's out here in Seattle and he gets a phone call like 4 30 in the morning they're like hey you know like we got a situation like we've got like, you know, two to four inches of snow on the ground in Seattle. Like we need to know if we should cancel. And he starts laughing on the phone. He's like, oh, fuck. Are you kidding me? Like, I'll see you in an hour and a half. And uh, he didn't realize, you know, the limitations of being in Seattle in a snowstorm. And so anyway, like a couple hours later, he like stumbles into the fucking school building and he's like, cancel school now. <laughs> like. And he just didn't understand. And I think that's kind of the deal. Like we just, we just aren't equipped for that. And so it's a big event and even walking home. I mean, I live down here now. So like walking home was a big, I I almost fell on my ass like six times just going seven blocks. Like nobody shovels, everything's frozen, yada, yada, yada. So. Well, and it's the, yeah, exactly. In the Midwest where we we grew up, well, I guess Colorado is a little different story, but in Iowa, it's pretty flat. Everything's flat. So there's, you know, you can handle the snow because you're just going on a flat, road everywhere you go um so as long as you keep it under control it's not a problem whereas here there's some pretty significant hills pretty serious hills in some cases like queen anne hill uh capitol hill all those types of areas even even my area going up uh, over towards the water is there's some pretty steep hills and they close them they close the the roads completely during these kinds of snowstorm events so um it's a little bit of a different thing people like to make fun of us a little bit but uh it's a it's it is a pretty crazy place to drive in, in winter storms. Yeah, or walk. I mean, that's the thing. It just There's not, nothing safe. Uh, it's just better to stay at home. Even if you can do some Uber Eats. I mean, that's kind of how I knew it was a big deal. Like Uber, 15-minute wait for Uber. I'm surprised there was any Uber on the road. I think there was like two guys like in a four-wheel drive. <laughs> Getting surge pricing all day. Oh, dude, they were cleaning the house. Like they were making money. But everybody else was just... You know, indoors, staying in. And I saw photos, too. I mean, that's the other thing. I live downtown, downtown. And so, like, looking at some of the photos from guys up in Capitol Hill and West Seattle, they had some deep trench snow. It wasn't just 
slush on the ground that was freezing, but they had some real uh, accumulation up there. So pretty nasty shit. All right, let's move back to uh, our show news. We kind of digressed there a little bit, which is fine. But um, what were we talking about? We were talking about um, new live show, uh, show format. Yeah, uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, try and record it uh, weekly, which has kind of been our goal from all the way back when we started this. But we're going to try and do that. should be a little bit easier with, with kind of the things we talked about where the editing shouldn't be such a big pain in the ass. Um, it gives you a little break, man. Like you can uh, just come in here with me and we can have a couple of beers and uh, enjoy ourselves. And then, boom, we got a show. Yeah, I think that'll be good. So we're also going to try and do it at a standard time. So we'll try and do it at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 9 Eastern for all of our East Coast friends, man. That's kind of late. They'll listen to us while they're going to bed. What's, what could be better? That's kind of a nice way to kind of end the day. The Coffee Codecast, man. <laughs> so what else we got? We got a new website. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing this, by the way. I wanted to tell you, like, you know, you've always, like, I, I got to give you major props because, I mean, you've really, I mean, we have, we have our own roles on the show, things, things that we do, like, well, and I've, you know, I've gotten a lot of the equipment and done this and done that, but I mean, you're really the uh, operations behind this show. I mean, you got the website set up originally, you've got the new website now, which I fucking love. I think it's great. We've, we were using more of a syndicated website for a while there. And so it was a little tricky for us to do some of the things we wanted to with, um, you know, some technical things that we wanted to do. And now we kind of have the freedom to do it the way we want to do it. So that was a really quick thing. I think you set that up in like what a record time, like a day and a half. You had the whole thing working pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, uh, it was, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy thing to do. Um, it gave us a lot more flexibility, like you said, to do various things, uh, some really basic things too, like add uh, URLs, custom URLs that we want to use. For instance, this is the, uh, one of them that we mentioned earlier, www.coffeecocast.com slash live. Yeah. That's a, a URL that we can add, which with, with our previous syndicated host, we couldn't even do that. So um, the website looks a lot better, uh, functions a lot faster, does uh, all the things that the previous one would do. Um, so it gives us a lot more flexibility and, and makes it easier for us to publicize some of these other things, right? Like now you can also go to coffeecocast.com slash Facebook and that's our Facebook page or slash Twitter and that's our Twitter page, et cetera. So, or slash review and that takes you to the iTunes page and gives us, you can, lets you rate and review the podcast, which, uh, you know, if you haven't done that already, I highly urge you to go do that. We need your reviews, guys. I mean, we're trying to drum up some business here. We've got, you know, a lot of equipment, a lot of high-end equipment here. The bills are adding up. The bills are adding up. Go out there and give us a five-star review. If you liked the ride, give us five stars. But, yeah, I think the site's looking really good, man. So thanks for that. It's a good, clean look, and we can customize the way we like it. And uh, now that we have this new format, hopefully we can be out there on the regular getting stuff out there. And I, what I'm really excited about, too, is that with, um, you know, being able to be more consistent with the cast and um, have more guests on. I was downstairs at O'Fuels a little bit ago. And Anderson, you know, is ready to get on the show. So I think that's the next thing we got to make happen is one of our uh, one of the partners of the business. We've been trying to get him on for a while. And I think now he's uh, ready to get in here and talk to us a little bit on the cast. I think we need to do that. I think. Yeah, I think. And then uh, Pat had uh, given us a message on Twitter asking if maybe that was our big surprise, if we were going to have some guests. We will have some guests. I mean, um, 
we should talk about that for a minute because we have a couple of things, a couple of irons in the fire anyway. We've got the, the 30 minutes with us cast, um, which is more of a, that's more irregular, right? I mean, that's more of kind of a special feature type of a thing, right? I would think, I, would, I don't know that we're going to do that on a consistent basis, but I think it's kind of a neat idea. Like we have someone with an interesting story that we want to cover, then bring them on. Yeah, that one's a lot of fun, but it's also, compared to this show, even even when I was doing all the editing, that show's a lot of work. Because, uh, I mean, we had a lot of raw material when we did that show uh, with Tim. I mean, we had, what, like probably close to three hours worth of material, I would say. That's right. Yep. And just just trying to make sure all that kind of comes together and makes sense and editing out three people worth of, you know, talkovers and licky sounds and all these different things that you got to edit out and adding music and the whole nine yards is just a very big process. And in fact, I still haven't even gotten part two of that whole thing completed. So um, it's a fun show and it's a very interesting show, but there's a lot of work involved in producing it. I would go as far as to say that that is more of the um, This American Life format of the podcast for us. You know, it takes a lot of background time, like to figure out who you want to talk to, what the story's about. Like it's, it's a bigger process, whereas this can be a lot more ad hoc and we just get on here and have fun and you know, we're going to get Wayland in here and have some whiskey and talk about some things. And it's just going to be a lot more um, consistent and we're not going to have to put as much work into it. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And that, th- that's what this, well, we haven't talked about the particular piece of equipment that we've acquired here or that, that the banker over here required. Uh. Well, let me tell you something, man. Like I, you know, it's been a rough go the last uh, 18 months for me, as you know, but one thing that I like is that no management approval is required for these purchases. So the line of credit is good over here, man. Well, that's good to hear because <laughs> I think you have aspirations for some other things, videos and all kinds of fun stuff. So Absolutely, dude. So, yeah, I think this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun for us like because I think here, here's my point of view on the whole thing is that like creating the content is priority. It shouldn't be uh, a burden for you. I want you to be on here enjoying this thing. I'm enjoying this thing. We should be able to come in here and just have some fun for an hour and a half or whatever it is, get in and get out and then move on and not have to worry about cleaning it up or trying to polish it. And I think the 30 minutes thing can be more of a, you know, we can, we can put a little more buff that out a little bit, but this is going to be just kind of us in the raw having a good time. Yeah, I agree. This, that's what, that's the whole idea behind this is it should be just us shooting the shit for 30 minutes to an hour. Boom. Done. Publish. Yeah. Move on to the next thing. I like it. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Speaking of the next thing, what's the next thing on the agenda? Oh, talk about your equipment before we move along. Um, yeah, I mean, we're doing great on time, by the way, too. I just want to point this out. Like, we're not even at 20 minutes yet. I mean, how many times have we gotten into this thing and we're in the weeds getting crazy? I think this live format's going to be good for us, man. We're going to be boom, 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 like just moving down the line. We'll talk about the new equipment. Um, first, I should uh, crack. I don't have a real beer in front of me right now, so I'm going to crack open a virtual Coors Light. How about that? Where did it go? Oh, I'm still learning how to do this. Got to shove her up there. Let's try it again. Oh, oh nice. there it is. Oh, that's nice. Crack me one of those. There you go. I've got one of those for you, too. <laughs> so this is a lot of fun. I'm excited about this. This is cool. This is um, this is a new piece of equipment. So we have been playing with a lot of different things. Um, the mics we've dialed in, the, um, you know, the software we've dialed in. The website's looking pretty good, but on the recording front, we haven't had a great solution. So we started out, what were we using before? We were using, oh, Pro Tools for a little bit, I think. 
We started with Pro Tools, yeah, and that that the we well a couple things. We we started with the Focusrites, so we had two of those. Oh, for the hardware side, we had the that's Focusrites. Right. That's right. Yes. So we started with those, and I had kind of a single uh, input device, and you had a multiple input device, and and then we had the the problem of having to try and bring those two devices together using software, and we elected to do that with Pro Tools initially, which was pretty cumbersome and hard to set up, and we had a lot of trouble. Uh, and even your Mac, for instance, was crashing a whole bunch. Uh, I don't know what the hell that was about. I mean, this is a brand new Mac Pro, 32 gigs of RAM, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the thing would crash mid-show. Complaining that it was like overrunning a buffer or something like that, which, yeah, for that thing, it should not have happened. It had plenty of horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of gave up on that, and we decided, well, we want one harmonious device that would take all the inputs. So we have three mics at this point. So it needs three XLR inputs uh, we, with the possibility of a fourth. Um, and so we got, last last episode, we talked about the uh, Focusrite, what was it, 18i8? We did, yeah. yeah. That was the new piece of gear that we brought in the shop, and that was the first episode I think we recorded with it, yep, wasn't it? You're right. Yeah. Yep, so we used that for one episode, and it actually did work well. It did the things that we wanted it to do. Um, and had it not been for the device that Mike has here in front of him, uh, we probably would continue to operate on it. But this thing is a... Wonderful little machine, at least so far. Really excited about this. And so we, uh, this is from our friends at Rode. Um, you know, they make the mic stands that we're using for our Michael Jackson Thriller mics. Um, but they came out, I think, what, Kyle, you found this thing probably around like the holidays. Uh, at least like the, uh, the website link to it. <coughs> right. The, uh, but this is the Rode uh, Caster Pro. And it's kind of a unique first of its kind device that's like an all-in-one for podcasters. And so it's really cool. Roadcaster Pro. Um, but it's really like, so this board is probably, I don't know, like 12 by 16 by four. I don't know. It's a nice size little mixer board. So you've got your four inputs. You can have four microphones in there, but it also has a USB. Um, it has a phone input. And it has a Bluetooth connection. And so what's kind of fun for us is that if we want to take calls, for example, like that was always a pain in the ass. We couldn't really do it well. And getting that audio feed into the system was difficult. Now we can have four people in the studio. We can have um, somebody dialing in on whatever, Skype, um, Slack, and and also pipe in um, a phone if someone wants to call the phone. So, I mean, we've got a lot of options. We can have four, five, six, seven. We could have seven people, eight people on the show if we wanted to, man. Kind of nuts. Yeah, and beyond that, it has you know a big old record button on there, so whenever we're ready to start the show, boom, we just hit the record button. It lights up bright red. Uh, has enough. What do we have? Four inputs. Yeah. Uh, XLR inputs. We have uh, a, a set of four four. Uh, sorry, eight sound sound pads. Um, one of them was the Coors Light sound you had on there before. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's on the sound pad number uh, six right there. We got uh, Bowley on there smoking the wacky weed. I think that's the 11, or that's the the yellow. Can I play that? Why not? We're going to find out I smoked the wacky weed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We're not going to get rid of that one. That's going to yeah, be a that permanent one's a good place one. so, over there. So, yeah, it's just a sound effects board. It's got We can we can plug in all the sounds that we want on each pad. It's, it's pretty wonderful. So. Well, not only that, since we're not editing these tracks anymore and worry about post-production, like we've got a... 32 gig micro SD in the back that we can plug in and um, uh, just there's a big record button. Boom. Hit record. All of a sudden, like we got a nice steady stream uh, going going there and and you've piped it into um, 
OBS Studio on your laptop so that we can get this thing up on YouTube. That's right. So we're streaming right now live to YouTube, which is uh, something new and pretty exciting. And we hope that you guys will jump on that if you're available to listen live. Uh, and even more importantly, or more exciting, is jumping into the Slack channel or reaching out on Twitter or whatever it may be. Um, that'll make the show a lot of fun. Uh, and you can kind of help drive the content that we're talking about, which is even cooler. Yeah, I agree. I hope to make the show more interactive. We're going to get people calling in. It'd be great to have like David on here from Austin, you know, get those guys in here and chiming in. So I think we got a lot of cool things we can be doing uh, coming up on the cast. With that, uh, I think we're going to move over to our next section here. Meh. What's the show topics today, Kyle? Well, this week, actually, I guess it was last week, I was listening to a particular podcast that I actually really enjoy, generally speaking. It's another tech podcast. And it was their shows generally range anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. Maybe Sometimes they even go up almost to two. But in any event, they were talking about a number of different topics, and every damn topic that they were talking about was something negative. They were bitching about this, bitching about that. It was about politics. It was about tech that they didn't like. And it was just eventually I just was like ready to start sending them messages and being like, dude, like, why did you publish this? This is like so such a downer. Like, I didn't even want to listen to it anymore. Uninspiring. I wouldn't even say it wasn't. I, I mean, I would never even even say that their podcast is inspiring in general. It's kind of a opinion show on technical topics, kind of like what we do. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was just a ton of negativity. I mean, and there's three hosts on the show and, and all of them were negative about various topics. And I was just like, man, I don't understand, number one, why <laughs> why do you use the things that you're talking about uh, if they're such a problem, uh, for one, I guess. Um, but another another instance of this is I wrote on here, social, social media. Media? Media. What the hell is that? Is that another? <laughs> social media. So like, there you, you know, you hear... You hear people leaving Twitter all the time or leaving Facebook all the time because it's too negative and they don't want to see political this or political that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess I just wanted to bring it up and, and kind of find out, like, what is it that what do you do to, to kind of be able to stay away from the negativity and, and keep your, I don't know, keep your state of mind kind of clear and positive where you th there's all this negativity in the world because... That particular day, for whatever reason, I was succumbing to negativity, and, and it was really starting to bother me. Well, I, it's a good question. I, I mean, I think, first and foremost, that social media is still a, a representation of the real world, the physical world that we're in. And so I think it's a mindset issue, right? I mean, you can find people, I can think of people in my, you know, immediate circle that they're always focused on the negative. Nothing's ever working right. Everything's wrong. Like I'm going to fucking lose it all tomorrow. Um, it's all going to hell. Um, and, you know, and then there's other people that have the opposite mindset. Oh, my God, like a good thing happened today. I think things are looking up. And I, so I think social media for me is a reflection of that. I mean, I see a little bit of both all the time. And it's depending on your state of mind, what you're, you know, if, if you're in that kind of negative space, maybe maybe you're. You see more of that. I don't know. I, I just think that it's it's inevitable. You can't get away from it. I don't think getting away from social media is the solution. Um, but, you know, it's really about attitude and how you present yourself and, and, and what you choose to um, 
tune into and what, what you just say, look, like I see it, but I'm going to like let that flow by and, and, and discard it. Like there's just not a lot of value in that for me. I do a lot of that. Uh, exactly what you described, letting it kind of flow on past, uh, I, you know, my, my wife likes to comb social media and read through comments of different various things, which then you get really into the negativity and she'll get fired up and start writing comments back. And then of course those people fire back and then she just gets wound up and I'm just like, don't, you know, stop, just quit doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to read the article, read the article, but like, you're not going to change anybody's mind. So all you're going to do is get yourself worked up more than anything. So I, that's what I try to do is just kind of I wouldn't say avoid it because I think that's also not a good policy. Like I think putting your head in the sand and just being like, oh, this doesn't exist is not the right answer either. But I try to just read the read articles that I, I feel that need to be read and, and gather information that I feel is needs to be gathered. But I try not to inject myself into the political debate that is social media at various times or uh, it may not be political. It may be religious or, you know, other various types of topics, but just right. try to avoid those things, but still understand kind of what's going on at the, in the world at large. Well, I'll give you this. One thing about social media that is, is different than real life is that people have titanium balls on social media, right? <laughs> that's I true. Mean, I think that's part of the problem is that like the way that people treat each other on social media, like you'd never do that to a person face to face. You know, you wouldn't have the, the courage or the guts or the whatever. Like there, there's a human aspect of it. That's like, look, you know, like we can be more, respectful in person. And so I think that gets a little out of hand. It gets a lot of out of, out of hand, um, honestly, online. So yeah, I, I tend to frown away from those things. For one reason, like I have so many friends online now, and it's such a diverse group of people that I have people on the far right, I have people on the far left, and everywhere in between, and it's family. And I, it's just not a good uh, forum to have a political debate because it's going to spark controversy with somebody. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be a shit show. It's not going to be, oh, it's going to be, what do we call that? What are, not a shit show. A fecal. Fecal tsunami. Tsunami. I'm going to give props to Brian. There you go, Ackley. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that this week and I was like, God damn, dude, this guy. <laughs> he has very, a way with words. He has a way with words. Yeah. The fecal tsunami. But that's what's going to happen. Like, it's not, it's not going to be productive. It's not going to be a debate that goes anywhere. Um, and so for that reason, I try to avoid those types of things online too. But yeah, I think. I think people are just way too mean to each other in, in that forum or feel way too safe to just lash out and attack. But so going back to kind of the original question or the original topic here, like how, so how do you avoid it? Do you just completely ignore those types of comments and just kind of let them wash, wash over you? Or do you go with kind of the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to see things that I don't want to see that are, you know, against my views or beliefs. So I'm going to unfollow you or unfriend you or whatever the case may be. Like, how do you avoid these things? I don't, I don't typically um, avoid them. I just don't participate in them. Um, like I'm not going to unfollow somebody that maybe has more political views on, on social media. I will sometimes on for religious things just because of my own person where I'm at personally. Like I just don't want to see it or I'm, if there's something that I'm strongly objecting to, it's not worth arguing about. And I'm not really that close to someone. I mean, that's the other thing too, is that like how many fucking friends do we have on this thing? I mean, like hundreds or thousands of friends that like aren't really friends. Can I give you an example? I mean, this is kind of, this kind of sucks. This is a shitty example, but it, it goes to demonstrate like the connectedness on social media. So um, my cousin 
recently passed a couple months ago. Um, and it was a really tragic thing and he was a young guy and he has a couple kids and it was, you know, I mean, he was struggling, but it was still very unexpected how it happened and that sort of thing. And he had a birthday yesterday and, um, you know, the response on his board was very, on his profile was very surprising to me. Like there were a lot of people that didn't know about his passing. And so like there's comments like happy birthday, have an awesome day. Like, Oh man, like hope it's a great year. And I'm thinking like this show is how disconnected we really are. It's like a major life event like that happens. And for this guy's birthday, you get a reminder on your phone, wish so-and-so a birthday. And then you, you do that and you don't even know what the fuck's going on. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, you got to make your own decision about where to engage. There's certain areas that I don't want to get into. And if we're so disconnected and I just don't want to see it, I'm just going <laughs> to unfollow or block or whatever. Um, but I'd rather save like the real meaty shit for like one-on-one or in, in real person, real, you know, real life. Right. Yeah. And I'm the same way you know, same, I had a similar situation to you or where well, I've had several actually, cause I'm the same way. I'm from the Midwest where generally beliefs are much, much different than they are on the coasts. Right. So this, some of the stuff that I see some of my family arguing about is definitely not in the same vein as my beliefs. So it's it's sometimes very difficult not to get sucked into those arguments or s- sucked into those debates. Um, but generally speaking, I, I look at them and I <laughs> usually will just kind of roll my eyes and just keep on a scrolling, you know, yes. get it off the screen as fast as you can, uh, get away from it as fast as you can. And don't go down the road of, you know, I'm going to delete my account on Facebook because, you know, what did that really solve? Not 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 really anything. So. In the case of this, um, I, I continued to listen to the show, and I will continue to listen to the show, but they even acknowledged in the show that it was negative. So it was just one of those moments where I was just like, good God, like how do you... How, people that constantly just look at negativity yeah. all day long yeah. on social media or wherever it may be, I'm just like, I don't know how you do this. Well, it's easy to do that even in person. I mean, I, you know, my, my uh, late father, I mean, I always hated going home to a degree because of this is that like, I haven't seen you in six months or eight months or a year. And all of a sudden, like you want to talk to me about the injustices with, you know, this corporation or the healthcare <laughs> system. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what you've been doing in life for the last few months. And so the time that we have together, I just don't want to do that. Like, I'm not saying that it's not relevant, that it's not important, that it's not something we should discuss, but like, tell me how the fuck you're doing. <laughs> and I think like some of these discussions, like, you know, we don't even know how we're doing, but we are so quick to want to get into a big meaty debate about some bullshit. Um, another, another layer up. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next topic, um, which something that I think is near and dear to your heart. Oh, what's that? Oh, beers. Air, Air Light. Crack a beer, man. Got a boy. I'll get one for you too. I'm gonna drink them all. Uh, Mileage programs, airline, oh, airline mileage programs. Fucking A, dude. I love mileage program. Well, I love one mileage program. Well, you're an Alaska guy. I am now. I'm a huge MVP gold this year. This year? Well, you're, you, well you have that status now. I accrued that status at the end of 2018, and I've got a lot of work to do if I want to keep it up this year. So you're really, really big into this. So you're the kind of the kind of type that does mileage runs in the whole nine yards. You're trying, you're trying very specifically to get status. I am now. I mean, that wasn't how it started, but it becomes that thing. I mean, I think that's what they want you to do. They gamify this thing in a way that they want, you know, we, we kind of talked earlier, you get a couple upgrades and you kind of like it up front. You like getting on early, you like doing this. And so, yeah, I've, this year I'm off to a slower start, but I've done a few things that are a little, 
silly just to get a few more miles. So what kind of led you into the Alaska arena and, and trying to get status with them? What, what specifically drew you into their program? Um, I, yeah, the, the whole thing really catapulted, um, you know, went full in on this when I, when I was down in San Francisco coming back to Seattle for work. So, um, at that point I realized, wow, even just for coming back for meetings, I could get status. Um, and I always, and, and I could use them for a lot of other things. They go to the Midwest, they go to Omaha, you know, um, and many other places that I would travel. So. It, it made sense to me, like, I'm going to go all in on this one program and just do it. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was just commuting for work, and then I got the bug, and um, I figured, fuck it, I'm just going to see how far I can go. I, I have a similar story in terms of that. So we have, we've been SkyMiles members on Delta for quite a number of years, actually. I think maybe four or five years at this point. Uh, and we were making quite a number of trips to Europe uh, for the wedding and scouting the wedding venue and different travels that we've done. So I think three subsequent or three years in a row, we went to Europe for, for something. Uh, so we were using their mileage program for that. And then at some point we figured, well, shit, maybe what we should do is have the Delta Sky Miles Amex card. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so now we also apply pretty much everything we purchase through that and then pay that off every month. So it accrues miles at a very rapid rate. Um, and gets us the spend that we need. And then, of course, and we always also have to be getting the, the qualification miles uh, as well. So we are Delta Gold this year. First time we've ever had status on, on, on Delta, which has been, has been tremendous. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, we went back to Omaha and we had to fly Delta in this case because the Alaska flights were a little bit expensive last minute. Uh, so we flew through Minneapolis and then into Omaha. So it was four total flights. And I think of the four, I think we were upgraded three times, uh, one time to first class. So, and same deal here. I'm going to Denver next or this coming weekend and, uh, got first class upgrade on that and, and comfort plus on the return flight, maybe first class, who knows? Nice. So already getting the upgrades, I definitely see the benefits. Uh, and it's super nice to fly first class. I can tell you that, uh, the leg room is amazing. I've, I've never really flown like a Super lengthy flight. I flew from Minneapolis to Omaha, which is like 40 minutes. Uh, the Denver one here is about two and a half hours, I think, something like that. So that'll be a little bit more of the experience, I guess. But No, it's, it's, it's a bug for sure. I mean, like last year, I was doing some international travel as well. And so Alaska has a, lo- a really nice partner network, as I'm sure Delta does. And so I did a trip to Germany. Uh, well, ultimately Barcelona through Frankfurt, but it was on Condor, which is a partner. And so um, had a fair sale running upgraded the seats and um so we're up front on that and um you know you do something like that and you can get status on on one trip and so that's kind of where the whole thing started and uh, since then (coughs) yeah i mean same thing having stat having gold status this year like getting up on first class a few times i had a few trips already this year that i've gotten bumped into went to sacramento last month and boom got upgraded to there so you know it's it's is it practical? People always ask me, like, you know, everybody wants to argue with me all the time about the the financials around it or like, oh, my God, but did you do the math? And I was like, you know what? It's not a I don't personally don't give a shit about that at this point. It's just a pleasant experience. Um, it's a conversation starter. I mean, a lot of people are curious about it. it, it I've had a lot of conversations about it um, and it's a fun thing to do. So, you know, I don't know what I'll do this year. I'm not like dead set on hitting a particular status, but, um, but it is a lot of fun and I'm doing the lounge thing too, which is great. And, and, you know, 
I don't know. I'm going to Denver this weekend too. I'm going to miss you. I don't know if I'll see you there, but I'll be in the Alaska lounge tomorrow. Um, you know, having some minestrone soup. <laughs> I got like, I got to eat like 84 bowls of minestrone soup to like make the lounge payout work. But I think, it, I think I can do that. Well, and I think for somebody in your situation too, a single man, uh, you're going to get the bump up to first class over a lot of people. Uh, you know, if, if yeah. there's couples flying or whatever, they're, they're going to be passed over. That's generally you're, you're dropped back in the, in the line. Uh, as a couple. So like as a single person that's flying and, and has gold status, like you should, you should get upgraded quite frequently, which is uh, obviously a good bonus for you and, and makes a lot of sense in that case. So, so yeah, it's good. And I'm doing the Alaska card. I mean, Delta is interesting because you have this kind of dual, you have a couple of pathways to get there, right? Like you were saying that you can qualify on a spend your MQMs, you get a spend you have to hit on your card, right? You have to do both. Oh, you do both. Okay. So you have to, well, there's three different things. uh, There's MQMs, there's MQDs, which I think is something to do with being spent on the airline or minimum qualifying dollars. Okay. And I think that has to do with like purchases of airline tickets and purchases on the flights and stuff like that. I think, okay, I'm not, I'm not totally certain on that. And we don't get like any of those. So our qualification is purely through credit card spend and through, um, qualification miles so we have to hit two of those three to, to get yeah. the status yeah and i mean alaska is similar but different um the way they work with the credit card is that you've got your bank of miles that are just for um future travel so i could i, I have a nice bank of miles from my spending that i can use towards future flights um as you guys do and then the other but really like to qualify for status it's either um you know miles flown directly on alaska or it's miles flown on a partner, mm-hmm. um, and those and, th- and those go up. So I mean, you got to do more partner miles if you want to get status. And I think the third way is segments. Segments is hard. I I suppose you could do that if you are traveling all the time, short distance. Maybe that would be the benefit for you if you're going from here to Yakima, or you're just in the Northwest all the time. Then you know, okay, fine, I'll go to Portland. Or if I'm going to Denver, maybe I'll go to Portland first and then Denver or something. But um, you know, that's a lot of work. Does that deal with connections then? Is that what they're trying to get you to do is take take something that has multiple stops? I don't know if that's an incentive. I mean, I don't know why they'd want you spending more time on their airplane. I would think that it would be to their benefit to get you off the damn thing quicker. I would think that too. But when we were flying to Omaha, we had, I was trying to find kind of the easiest and quickest way to get there. And for whatever reason, what was the deal? Anyway, I was trying to find out the, the ticket price between going from Seattle to Minneapolis to Omaha versus Seattle to Minneapolis and driving yeah. from Minneapolis, which uh, because of where I live kind of works out about the same whether you go to Minneapolis or Omaha. Um, but the cost of the flight was more expensive to terminate in Minneapolis than it was to terminate in Omaha. So in other words, they cheapened it to put us on another plane and fly us to Omaha, which doesn't make sense to me. I don't really understand why that would be beneficial, but yeah, I don't understand how those models work. They're not very intuitive sometimes. Um, so it's a good question. I I really don't know. And and there's other weird things too, where like, you know, like the thing that I don't understand, it's, it's gotta be somewhat a supply and demand scenario because I, you know, I can go to New York, I can go to JFK, or um, for, you know, $300 on Alaska right now. But I would spend $800 going to Omaha. 
So I, I don't know. It's just like that's frustrating to me because it's always been that way. It's always been ridiculous going to the Midwest, but I can go, you know, to the far reaches of the U.S. or even into Cabo for cheaper than that or Europe even maybe. Less flights, I suppose. So, yeah, I'm sure that all plays a role in that. But I love the mileage program, dude. I'm a big fan. Uh, I like being a part of that whole thing. I like seeing what I can do. And Alaska does a great job here. You can go fucking everywhere on Alaska. I wish I was in the program in the earlier days because I think the win-win would have been when Delta was a partner. That was like two years ago they ended that thing. But, I mean, if you were if you were um, a frequent flyer on Alaska, you would have gotten status with Delta, vice versa. That's a pretty sweet deal. That would have been great because those are the two, two airlines that I fly predominantly. I don't really yep. fly anybody else. And those guys are going, you know, you're going to France, you know, Paris and whatever else. Like you can fly those guys. Yeah. Big mileage runs. runs yeah. Big, runs. <laughs> big runs. Dude. Big, big runs. boy. Big money. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see. I got Denver coming up. I'm going to go to spring training um, in March. I don't have a big mileage run planned yet. I mean, I was talking about maybe going to the World Rugby Cup in Japan. Um, maybe going somewhere, you know, Heinen uh, Airlines goes to China and you can get deals on there sometimes. The thing you got to be careful about now though is that they've really they've readjusted their fare classes and so you're not guaranteed to get 100% of miles on every fare class. Like if you get for example, if you get an economy rate on Heinen Airlines, you might only get like 60% of the actual miles flown towards your status. Because that's a partner airline. Um it's not even that. It's even like Alaska now has that saver fare. Uh, I think you get full miles on that, but you're not going to get seat upgrades and that shit. So like, you just have to be careful now. They're getting, they're doing all these things to try to really appeal to a broader audience, and so it's not all one for one anymore. Like, there's certain things you don't get. Yeah, Delta has the same thing. I think they call it main cabin or something like that. And yeah, if you if you get that ticket, which is the cheapest possible ticket, they won't give you any upgrades, to, even regardless of whatever status you have. Like whereas. Normally, if you got a typical cheap ticket, they would upgrade you to at least Comfort Plus, which is kind of their middle, middle tier, little extra leg room type of that's uh, it type of deal. But yeah, they won't even give you that. So, all right, man. Well, should we um, get out of the topics here and move on to the next topic? We're doing great on time, by the way, buddy. Well, we're professionals. We've done this a time or two. Let's talk about a uh, dark mode in iOS 13 is being rumored. So this is a fuck is that article from Nine to Five Mac, and it's a article discussing that uh, dark mode, which I know you're a huge fan of in all respects. Love dark mode. Will be coming to iOS in iOS 13. So currently in iOS 13, or sorry, in iOS, pretty much dark mode is non-existent unless the app um, developer implements it, which a lot of them have. But they aren't consistent, obviously, and they can do different things where, you know, some of them will auto flip from day to night mode and that sort of thing. So this would be a, an OS-wide dark mode. Um, there's not a whole lot known about it. This is just a rumor from 9to5Mac that they are reporting on. But uh, I think I would be a huge fan of this because dark mode for me is, is something that I use on any app that pretty much supports it. So having it native would be fantastic. And I love what they did in, in uh, Mac OS, uh, is it Mojave now? Yes. With the dark mode, it, it's fantastic. So this is something that I really hope that does come true. And, and I don't even, when is the keynotes? Uh, it's late in the year, I believe, right? I don't know. I mean, they don't they have, 
They have a thing at um, Moscone Center. Well, I think that's usually they'll announce things there and then they'll release them, I think, later in the year. But in any event, um, some of the cool things that this would be able to enable, right, is is because many of the new iPhones now, with the exception of, I think, the XR, uh, are OLED. So if you have a dark mode, then you can basically turn off most of the screen, right? It becomes an energy thing. That's right. Exactly. Because you have kind of what it, what they call true black on the OLED. So you can just turn it off and then only light up the pixels that are, are, are what you want to see. Um, so a good example of this would be like reading a book, right? You would only light up the, the, the characters of the book itself and then the rest of the screen would actually just be off. So saving your battery, giving you a better uh, lifetime of the battery on, on, the, on the device. So I think, personally, I think this would be amazing if this does come true. You got to really appreciate how things come full circle. I mean, we probably talked about this or touched on this before, but you think back to like Apple IIe, you think back to the old days, monochrome monitor. That's how it was, man. Like you had a black background, pixels off, and then you had whatever, like your green, you know, <laughs> command line prompt or organ trail and fucking green and then in color eventually. But it's just funny to me, like that was something that was just out of the box 30 years ago. And now it's a feature that's coming out in iOS 13. Well, and it's interesting too that, that some of the apps that Apple's had forever in on the iPhone platform have had dark mode implemented in them for a very, very long time. They have, yeah. So it's kind of surprising that it took them this long to implement it from on an OS-wide uh, setting. So, Because um, you're right about that. That was a big deal with Mojave because Xcode, their latest release, um, had a dark mode. Oh, I didn't know that. I never heard about that. Yeah, so Xcode has it um, as part of Mojave and... Um, and not only that, but I do like how they do this like kind of progressive thing. So like the background now um, of the, the, the whatever it is, that sand hill that they have, the sand dunes, changes color as the sun's moving during the day. That's really cool, actually. That's, That's pretty neat. I mean, it's a simple, simple little thing, but it's, it's very cool to see that happen. The thing that I think also is interesting about this a little bit is that um, the, Mac, the Mac was the first thing to adopt this, which lately the Mac has not been kind of a first-class citizen in the Apple ecosystem. It's been all about iOS and Apple Watch and those types of platforms. And, and it's interesting that they moved it or um, executed on that first. And then they're bringing now a supposedly to iOS 13. Um, but the other piece that's interesting about that is the, the possibility that they're moving the iOS apps onto the Mac as well. So there might be some kind of uh, synergy that needs to happen there. Uh, what do they call those... Um, like universal apps type of thing. Yeah, they have a specific name for them, but um, it might be a, pr- a prerequisite that they had to ha- have to support that on, on Mojave before they could make this happen with iOS or oh, vice versa, right? So I don't know. It's a cool feature. I'm excited to see it. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say about it, but I definitely appreciate dark modes. I love the dark mode. I mean, I don't have any lamps on my desk. I just have my, mo- my curved monitor is my backlight. And this beautiful Rodecaster Pro and all of its uh, colored LEDs. I'll tell you what, when I walk by your office and this thing's all lit up, it looks like a damn rave in there. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, there's all kinds of colors in here. We can customize all this shit. But yeah, you got blue lights for the inputs. You got the red light over there and you got the whole soundboard, which is lit up in all kinds of shit. It's fun. It's a little rave, rave box for your podcast. Moving on from iOS, let's talk about Sonos, my favorite product in the world. You don't like this shit at all. What are you talking about? 
Well, according to 9to5Mac, Sonos is reportedly planning to launch its own set of headphones. Really? Why haven't they done this already? They've been getting into sound for, they've been doing this for a long time. I'd be curious to know, so you're saying, why haven't they done this already? Like, uh, what would you, ex- why would you expect them to get into this space? I have ideas of what they could do, and I don't know if this, this sounds ridiculous, but I think it could be a lot of fun. But think about, you already have the Sonos ecosystem in your home, so you got the sound bar for your TV, and you've got the speaker in the bedroom, the speaker in the living room. What if you're working on your computer and you want to have it on your head, something on your headphones, then maybe you're streaming to another room. To me, it's just a natural extension of the, of the, the, the product itself. So maybe you want to listen to the TV while somebody else has something on in the living room, and you can do that just by a tap of a button on the, on the software. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel I have... I don't know. I don't feel like this is a smart play from them. I feel like the the headphone space is already full. There's a lot of players that do very, very good work in the headphone space, right? That make very premium headphones that do them already with, uh, you know, whatever name your flavor of uh, computer helper built in, right? I think so, but I think there's there's the bigger brand loyalty. I mean, think about how many people are big on beats and we all know like from an audiophile's perspective beats are not a great investment but how many of those things fly off the shelves right but i think i don't know i i I feel like that's a hard argument to make too because sonos's brand loyalty is to its home products not to a set of headphones like yeah it's a new product from from sonos but i i just feel like they're stepping out of what they're known for and what they what they kind of are it'd be like it's kind of like apple right like apple is well, I guess they've done kind of the same thing. They went from computers to buying Beats to buying to, to creating the HomePod to who knows what else. Like they're kind of all over the place as well. But I don't know. It just seems like a weird when when they went. Here's another thing: is Sonos is missing key products from their lineup, right? They're missing outdoor speakers, right? Yeah, I miss, would agree with that. They're missing stuff like I, I don't have another good example, but outdoor speakers is a huge one, and people ask for it all the time. Um, and they haven't delivered. They claim they're going to, but they haven't delivered on that. So, like, personally, I would love to see them execute on those types of plans before they start working on something that I don't really feel like people are asking for. It could be the case. I, I would I, I would agree with you. I think there's probably other areas that they could fill the gap. I, I think, though, they'll probably be successful just because there are enough people that like what they have going already that are familiar with it and just say, well, geez, I already have a Sonos xyz why not just get the headphones too um you know i I don't know much about the product so it's hard to say at this point what it is but uh, as far as quality like i'm not particularly the target market for this thing but i could see a lot of people that already are familiar with it that would say well fuck yeah i already like this stuff so i'm gonna get that or the other thing i guess that might be kind of cool is if they were like built-in wireless let's say like wi-fi rather Mm -hmm. so if here's a good example is like if I'm running around the house, like uh, yes, I have Sonos kind of through most of the house. So usually I can just say, Hey, play it everywhere and listen everywhere. But sometimes somebody's using something in one of the rooms or whatever. So like then I could put the headphones on, say play to my wireless, whatever headphones and walk around without having to have like my phone attached, which is kind of one of the big features that they have. Right. So the, the speakers themselves are actual players. Mm -hmm. So they are actually playing Spotify or whatever it is you're playing in the device rather than from your phone. So like you could walk away from your phone, walk up, down, upstairs, downstairs, whatever. You wouldn't lose your connection to your Bluetooth or whatever you were doing. 
So that could be a valuable thing, but it still it feels very niche to me, and I don't really know what the... I don't know that there's that much of a demand for that. I'll say this much. I think the bigger opportunity would be outdoor speakers. I would agree. I think you would. I think they would sell a ton of those. I think that'd be hugely popular. Even when I was back in the AV business, like that was always... Well, I mean, we were doing stuff the old-fashioned way, hardwired, but, you know, they're putting it into rocks and all kinds of cool shit like that. Like, I think they could run away with how do you make Sonos fit into your garden or in your backyard and all that kind of stuff. And you could have the same speaker that's packaged into 10 different things. It could be in a planter or whatever, and it's wireless, Bluetooth kind of a thing. That'd be a pretty appealing option for a lot yeah. of people. Just make like a speaker and then kind of like a skin or whatever, right? It's right. It almost reminds me of like the dock or something from the iPhone that, you, you know, there's a million different ways the dock can be built, right? Right. Millions of different dock options, but they all have the same interface. So exactly. Yep. Um, so speaking of Sonos, I, there's been a really cool project that I told you about, or I sent you a link to, um, that I just wanted to bring up real quickly that I thought was really cool. And it's, a. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a DIY project that this particular fella did, and it's these nine. They're photo cubes, really, is what they are, uh, kind of acrylic photo cubes, and he has them on a tray that's uh, built in with an RFID chip. So inside of each of these cubes, on each side, they have an RFID sticker, and each of those stickers then corresponds to a playlist he has on Spotify. So as he puts these cubes one, you know, face down in this other, this uh, one other area, the RFID tag will pick up what playlist he wants to play and immediately trigger Sonos to start playing that playlist. That's pretty cool. And I saw the video. I love what he did there, man. That is so neat. It's really neat. Like it's uh, for those of you that are familiar back in the day with, you know, CD jewel cases, like that's where he got his inspiration from. He originally wanted to just stick RFID tags in old CD jewel cases and like put those on something and that would start playing. And then he was like, well, if you have a cube, now you have six in one small package and you just rotate it and put it down. So it's really, really cool. I'll put a link in the show notes to this. Um, I started kind of playing around with it on my own. I have de- haven't decided if I want to try and build the same thing, but I really, really like it. I think it's a, there's something about like the, the tangible, the physical, right? It's kind of the way records are but now, like people want the physical thing. So this kind there of is. gives you the, the physical inter- interface to like digital music to what Sonos is digital music platform. I think there is something really nostalgic about having that analog with the digital. You know, it's it's familiar. It's fun. It's interactive. You can grab it, hold on to it. And uh, the fact that you can link it in with something like the Sonos and with the playlists, I think that's just kind of a neat combination. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, the thing that uh, scares me the most about it, and I talked to you earlier, is I've never worked with like breadboards and uh, plugging things into those and that sort of thing. So the electronics portion of it would be the most difficult for me. Uh, The other portion would be fabrication. So he did have, he used um, a 3D modeling software uh, and that's how he created the little tray. So he sent it off to a company and they laser cut it out. And uh, I would want to modify it a little bit because he had nine cubes, and when you you know when you figure nine times six, that's a shitload of different that's a playlists. Lot of, and uh, yes, it is. Yes, so I would probably only want to do four if I was going to do it, and that still gives you quite a lot to fill in, uh, and I'll make the tray a little smaller. But that means that now now I need to modify a three D model, and get that printed and deal with the electronics and all that stuff. So there's a lot to do and a lot to figure out in in areas that I'm not an expert in. So 
still haven't decided that I want to do it, but I really love the idea. So, well, I'm glad you brought it up. I enjoyed the video and I've done a little electronic work. So I told you I'd jump in on this with you. I think it'd be kind of fun and a uh, neat thing to do. Maybe we can find our own uh, type of experiment that we want to do along those lines. That'd be cool too. Yeah. Well, uh, I can't believe it, but we've already hit the first hour of our first live cast. You want to you wanna bring us home with the credits here? Sure. Well, <clears throat> as always, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. We have uh, Mike at ChipperSF. We have myself at Kyle P. Johnson and the show at Coffee Code Cast. Or you can go to www.coffeecodecast.com slash Twitter. Or use the hashtag Ask3C if you want to get us have a question for us. Uh, our email address is coffeecodecast at gmail.com. The website is www.coffeecodecast.com. And we're available uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So please, please, please hit us up on www.coffeecodecast.com slash review. Give us a rating, a review. Let us know you're out there listening, and that'll help us get the show to more folks. And hit us up on Slack, Twitter, and hit us up live next Wednesday. Thanks, Kyle. I think that went pretty good, man. Yeah.